Welcome to the Everyman Podcast. This is episode one. I'm Jay. I'm here with Dom. And we will be giving a critical man's insight into a variety of topics that every man would want to hear. Today we will be covering cancel culture in light of recent cancellations such as Andrew Tate and several cancellations that have been occurring all throughout the years. We all know about Alex Jones being deplatformed. Dom, what do you what do you think about that? We're in a precarious situation, that's for sure. Um, I think these types of dialogues and discussions have been not as commonplace as they could be. And I don't, I don't know if that's generally due to a reluctance or if there's a there's just not the sentiment right there to right now to have these sorts of discussions. So um, I think the scope and the in general what we what we aim to do is have discussion and have dialogue that's going to give you an honest opinion. Um, cancel culture in and of itself. Sorry, I got a cue up to the mic here. It's a it's a way that you can you can zero out somebody without having to have an actual intellectual discourse as to what whatever the topic might be. Okay, so Andrew Tate, as I had mentioned, he's uh, he's the latest casualty. He's the one that um, he upset the establishment, I guess mm-hmm. we'll call them, and uh, he's been deplatformed. He's even been uh, demonetized. Apparently, um, they've seized some of his assets. I don't know if I have that correct, but that's mm. wow. That's that's something. And I mean. They just decided that um, they had enough of him. You know what's funny is, you know, you know, I'm not really a social media guy. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Twitter. I don't have any of that. But I did download TikTok mm. a little while ago, and this guy's presence on TikTok was yeah, he's insane. All, he's all over, yeah. yeah, it was insane. He was probably every third video was Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was insane. Mm-hmm. And then he had this thing. It was called um, Hustlers Hustlers University or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I guess it's, I don't want to call it a, like a scheme here, but I guess it was people subscribe to it. And then they, they kind of push his content. It's not necessarily a scheme. It's more of um, not, a, not a pyramid scheme in the traditional sense. It's right. uh, affiliate marketing. So he's trying to, the, the, the name of it is like, it's, Imagine we wanted a clip to go viral. We would we would suggest that, like let's say we were at the top, like uh, him and his brother, for example. Okay. They would suggest if you push this clip, here's your incentive. It's a marketing strategy more than it is that you don't you don't need. From what I gather, I don't really know much of it either. Like I don't follow a lot of TikTok, but from what I gather, the main premise is that you you're recruiting people in, but you don't get more money for recruiting people in. He pays you. He's paying from the top. I guess it's like an agency model. I'm okay. not. I'm not entirely sure how accurate that is, but from from all the well, it makes sense. Yeah. So it makes I don't. Sense what you're saying. Yeah. I don't, and also just on that note that you brought up the Hustlers University and, and the other business endeavors he had in general. I don't necessarily think that because a person. This is a weird kind of gray area in business where depending upon what your. Uh, philosophy is and what your central tenets are ethically and otherwise 
some people will say something like a pyramid scheme or an affiliate marketing is unethical. And in some instances, yeah, that's what his critics were saying. I I should qualify that. His critics were calling it like something comparable to a pyramid scheme. Yeah. You know, but again, those were his critics. So, yeah, yeah, but it's, even a pyramid scheme in and of itself naturally collapses. From a business sense, you shouldn't really, I mean, there's regulation and laws in place to stop that. But I don't think, like a, for Andrew Tate in this particular case in, in our discussion moving forward, I don't really think that should, um, that really shouldn't come into the discussion insofar as the cancel culture is concerned. Because it's what he does for, for his business endeavors is not if he's not inflicting harm as far as i'm concerned then i don't necessarily see yeah no so this is um it's just to speak to his presence yeah. on social media it, w- it was enormous okay and just like that boom all gone mm-hmm. and i i don't know what is he, is he, he said or did specifically to is, be to be kicked off is he banned off of all of them is that yeah he's he's been banned off every major um uh, medium like I, I think Rumble or you know some of those other more fringe mm-hmm. mediums will still have them on, but uh, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all like I already said TikTok. I said TikTok twice, but um, all the major ones. Yeah, he's gone, and uh, he was on Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. on Fox, and he was talking about how quickly and swiftly he was banned. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he did exactly. I'm not. I know he had a lot of critics. Like, I mean, uh, his name's come up several times. Mm-hmm. And um, some people love him. Some people hate him. He's he's a polarizing guy. I'm not sure what exactly he did in this instance to be removed, but um, I think it had something to do with uh, misogyny. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm chuckling a little bit because I've had discussion with different you know friends and family uh, to that effect. Uh, so I think people who are polarizing, they're gonna, they're generally gonna have that effect no matter what. They're gonna, their their goal, uh, if you want to call it that, is they're they're gonna try to substantiate some sort of dialogue that is gonna piss some people off inevitably, and it's gonna make other people happy and be like, fuck yeah, that, I like, I like. So that whole community, their whole red pill space. Uh, online manosphere whatever the hell you want to call it i think a lot of those guys gravitated towards him because it was the first time in a long time which speaks to what you were alluding to earlier that he just he just went viral like it was i think it's a it was a confluence and convergence of a couple factors that came into consideration and i think he right he finally he just took off whether from from also from from my own personal readings i, I think if we're specifically talking to the cancel culture point i think uh from what I recall, there was a video that surfaced from him years ago that it, it was, I don't know, I, I don't know what you, exactly you call it. You know when, you, when you, in sexual instances where you have a sort of a role play? Right. That, I, I, I don't know what it's called, but that. that oh, from, like an S&M type thing? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think, right. that, I think that's what he was doing. But to the, to the observer, and this speaks to cancel culture in, in general, if you don't have context about a particular scenario, you can't go in with a bias to a particular situation without knowing all the facts. And from what I understand, and I think the women in these clips released subsequent videos, they okay. all said it was consensual. Oh. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. So I'm going off just 
reading on social media, Twitter and YouTube. I, I'm not I'm not sure if we're presenting facts, and we can obviously look this up over the course of the rest of this podcast. But mm-hmm. from what I understand, that, that it it seems like the, all the rebuttals from his camp or the people that were involved in those situations did uh, say it was consensual. So I'm not okay. in, I'm not entirely sure it's even appropriate what they've done. And um, well, you'd be interested to know. I mean. <clears throat> I, I got curious and I went down the rabbit hole. Mm. I wanted to know when cancel culture became a thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know when it started. I Googled it and it said here that um, it started around 2017, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's a relatively new phenomenon. Like it's not, it's, it hasn't always been a thing. And as you know, I'm a little bit older than you are. Mm. So. It's jarring to somebody like me because when I was growing up, it was it was a free for all. I mean, you can say and do anything. And uh, one of my favorite shows growing up, I was a kid and I would stay up late and uh, I would watch it. It was on usually around eleven o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. I was married with children, mm-hmm. right? And you know, everyone my age always jokes that that show would never fly today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we have some clips from, uh, mm-hmm. from Married with Children. Yeah, we do. I'll cue that up. Let's go ahead and play that. Can I get a whoop Bundy! Remember me, Bundy? No. The one you insulted? I'm sorry, ma'am. You have to be a little more specific. You made fun of my weight. You called me a giant seal. Well, let's see. I had four elephants. I had a <laughs> rhino who wanted some flip-flops. Had a manatee. Nah, nah, don't remember any seals. Could you jog my memory? You know what jog is. That's what you do when the ice cream truck is pulling out. With this attitude, you're going to be working here for the rest of your life. Well, take a gander into the seat next to you if you want to see what your future looks like. <laughs> Penelope, let's go someplace where they treat us with respect. Uh, try the moon, you're way less there. <laughs> I demand equal time. <laughs> so that was that was Ed O'Neill. Um, younger people probably know him from Modern Family, which was, you know, that was a very, very popular show. But before Modern Family, this was primarily what he was known for. He played Al Bundy. He was a misogynist. He was a he was an everyman basically. He was a blue collar guy, but um, I guess if if that show was on now, it would be canceled within an episode for um, you know basically violating everything mm. that um, today's society holds dear. So as as you can see, he didn't hold back. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't much different at home. And this is what people watched. People laughed. Now, I, I should say, though, there was a contingent of people, even back then, that found this show to be a little bit distasteful. Wouldn't you say, sorry to just cut you off, w- no, no, wouldn't no. you say that that's kind of par for the course in any generation? That's sort of... How so? In, in, in the sense that there's, you're not always going to make everybody, you're not always going to appeal to everybody. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. But, uh, okay, so... Just to give you an idea, um, in the 90s, another show that was very, very popular was, uh, it, it was a scripted, we didn't know that at the time, but it came out later, but it was a scripted talk show called Jerry Springer. Mm. 
this show was so obscene. I mean, look it up when you have time. It's just so over the top, so offensive. Um, not to me personally, but it's what you know. People nowadays they would they would run for the hills. Are we talking about the same Jerry, like the Jerry Springer, where they invite people? That's the, the yeah. Same. That okay, one. Make sure I'm not a complete idiot when you're playing that. <laughs> I don't even know if it's still on today. But I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, I, they used to have the craziest stuff happen on there. Almost every episode would end in a fist fight. Mm. And uh, it just it, there's no way it would fly today. There's, the people nowadays are they're, they're just not going to stand for that. They're going to be you know lining up in droves to have shows like that taken off the air. Married with children would would not have survived in today's day. Now you're a little bit younger. How did your generation? What, what does your generation think of cancel culture? Like just generally speaking. Well, just to give context, I'm 30 years old, so born in 1992. I think the tale, if we're saying my generation is early, not like I say, early 90s to late 90s. Yeah, I'm not uh, that much older than you. Okay, no, no, yeah. <laughs> For the reference, JJ is not that much older than me. Uh, I I don't know. On, on anecdotally, I would say that majority or a good a good amount of people my age. I don't really think they think anything of it other than you're, you know, you're like your libtards or people who are always going to be in that, uh, that general kind of sec, you know, there's always, like I had mentioned earlier, there's always going to be individuals that have, uh, a general dislike or distaste to, I don't know, I guess a different, different. So like what I'm trying to get it is that my, my generation, there's, there's different, there's different groups within my generation. I think as you get younger, there's a, there's a general prevalence that it creeps up more and more and more. All right. And I think that's due to, obviously, over-politicization of things, education. There's a lot of factors that lead to that. But right. all in all, it's not... It. I, we had some shows, not like this, but we had some shows that were... I doubt you had shows like this. No, nothing <laughs> like that. But we had shows that were kind of... I don't know, South, South Park, you had The Simpsons. There were shows that had okay. similar sorts of so sentiment. There, there, there are some overlap. Like, there is some yeah. overlap there because South Park and The Simpsons... Well, The Simpsons, for sure, was in its prime when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's still on today. I stopped watching it a long time ago. In my opinion, it stopped being funny a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's going to be some overlap. South Park was another one. Um, I remember teachers used to tell us not to watch it. When we were in school, they would say, "Don't you know? Don't watch that that show." How they knew about it is beyond me. But um, I guess uh, you know, it was lead. It was leading up to this for a while, mm-hmm. where they wanted to introduce this um, censorship, right? And then it kind of took on a life of its own. Don't I was think, shocked to learn. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, don't you think it started? I know you had, you pulled it up there that it started in 2017. I, I I kind of find that the the phenomenon itself, not particularly the the cancel cancel culture, mm-hmm. the term maybe was became more popularized at, at that point in time. But I I kind of think that the censorship and we may get get into this in greater depth. I, I feel like this has been much more prevalent than people give credit to. I, I don't I don't think there was a point in time in human history that this ever was not the case. It's just that now it's become so... With the mediums that we have now, th- this is kind of... Mm, um, no? Well, 
I don't know. It's, it's it's difficult to say, right? Like, I know a lot of celebrities have become outspoken advocates for having people canceled, or they, you know, they get on their high horse. We, we we've all seen it. Howard Stern, okay, take Howard Stern for example. Mm-hmm. Howard Stern has now, you know, drank the woke Kool Aid, if, if if that's what you want to call it. Um, when I when I was growing up, Howard Stern specialized in the obscene. Okay, if you go back and you look at Howard Stern's um, show, he had a radio show in the '90s, and it was also uh, televised. It was on the Fox Network here in Canada. I think it was Friday, either Friday or Saturday night. Anyways, he had. Um, did you watch wrestling? Were you a big wrestling fan? Somewhat. Somewhat. Okay. Do you remember who China was? China. I have, she was a female wrestler. Yeah, sure. she was like. So at first she started out as uh, Triple H's sidekick, mm-hmm. you know, a manager, whatever you want to call her. And she was a very, very um, muscular woman. Howard Stern had brought her on and he basically um, lambasted her saying, okay, well, you're a man, you're not a woman. She kept insisting that she was a woman. Uh, Howard Stern had his female assistant, uh, production assistant, take her into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And inspect her genitals. Inspect? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah, I swear I'm not making this up. He had his female production assistant take her into the bathroom and inspect her genitals. She came out laughing hysterically, the, the production assistant. And China was in tears. She was absolutely bawling. Was this record that you can? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I'm, you can find a video, mm. right? So this is the type of stuff that was on TV. And I don't even think anything was made of that. Uh, like, I don't, I don't remember there ever being any consequences for Howard Stern for having that kind of stuff on his when show. When was this? I want to say mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think there was any ramifications for a lot of people during that time frame. Right. It's much more prevalent now, much more pronounced now. Uh, oh, yeah. The censorship is, I think, the, 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 the continuity element that, that always has existed. But the, the, yeah. the, the, the part where, so if he, obviously if he had said that now. Oh, man, can you imagine? No, no, obviously no, I couldn't imagine. I mean, you, you're going to lose, well, it, it really, it goes to anybody in any industry. We, we could say the same thing for us, right? If in a given industry or given line of work, it's it's possible that if we were, in a circumstance, well, he he's he voluntarily did that, so that's a little bit different. That's his own show, but it's yeah. possible that even indirectly, you could cut. You, there could be a situation where you never know. You could be recorded saying something in the heat of the moment, and that's not. Well, we're seeing a lot of that, right? You yeah. know, like uh, old clips of people from the past, things they've said, things they've done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny though. I was I was actually going to uh, address this at some point. It seems that some people don't suffer the consequences for things that they've said and done and others do. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to shame anybody here. I mean, we've all made mistakes. Um, but Justin Bieber, when he was young, mm-hmm. he had a couple videos and clips where he said some things, he made some jokes, um, the type of jokes that usually don't fly today, you know, racial in nature. Um, kind of 
flew under the radar. I don't hear it discussed much, which is, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. He was a young kid, you know, make of that what you will. But other people have been held super accountable for things that they've said. Okay, we, we know that Donald Trump, for for instance, mm-hmm. um, they w- what was exactly said in that audio? He, he likes to grab women Which by their... <laughs> He likes to grab women by their genitals or, or something grab like by that. The pussy. That's that the PG a, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where, where, where what to what level of PGness this podcast will have, but he grab. We'll, we'll try our best. Yeah, <laughs> grab her by by the the female region. That those were his exact words. Yeah. So so they used that. They brought that up to his prejudice. You know, and they uh, they said, "Oh, look, we can't have a president who's misogynistic or whatever." We're, you know, Donald Trump is going to get his own episode, may, maybe two, maybe even three. Um, for the purpose of this discussion, I'm just bringing up the fact that they pulled up an old clip of something mm-hmm. he said, and they used that to his prejudice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I didn't really see that with Bieber. Maybe it was because he was young. I don't know. Um, don't you? also think that there's an element of there has to be an incentive to also i don't okay, i don't want to get too long-winded political conspiratorial anything like that i'm sure you do <laughs> we do and we don't <laughs> well okay generally speaking being skeptical is a good thing to do and having an uh, a a little bit of critical thinking is good from time to time so yeah. that i don't i don't think that that's there's anything wrong with that obviously you cannot hopefully not be drawn to conclusions that don't make sense. But don't you think there's an element of a guy like Justin Bieber? There's no real incentive for the people driving this cancel culture bus right. or the groups of people driving this cancel culture bus to take a guy like that down. And and I just this just came to my head, and I don't know if this is something we, we were, maybe we'll discuss uh, later on. It's also sad to think that there's there's also individuals, women and men, that were obviously this came about mostly from women that were that were negatively affected by some individual acts and it ruins it's like the boy who cried wolf mm. it ruins the validity and the integrity of a claim because once it becomes a movement once it becomes a narrative yeah, it loses for every credibility time in a sense. yeah credibility yeah, every time it comes up then it's just it's not it's not to seem make it seem like it's illegitimate but people will stop believing yeah, there there is a real danger of that. Uh, oh, and just for the record, we will be discussing conspiracy theories <laughs> at some point, along with with a variety of other of other topics. But conspiracy theories will definitely be on the list. Um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely substance to what you just said for sure. Um, if this just becomes a thing, then people won't know what to believe. Look at the whole Johnny Depp fiasco. I mean. The first and the initial reports I heard was that you know Don Don uh, sorry Johnny Depp was being fired from mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, he was abusive to Amber Heard, and then they went to court. They had that trial that everybody was talking about, and it seems like public opinion changed dramatically. Now I, all of a sudden everybody was Team Johnny, and Amber Heard was the worst. I I can't say that I was following it closely. Mm. I'm just saying, do you see how quickly tables can know, turn? Yeah, the tables can turn like that. I I think that more, I think that in particular, what you just brought up, more so has to do with 
what's the term now? Um, Johnny Depp's coolness? No. <laughs> <laughs> it has to do with uh, what's a psychological phenomenon, like the gr- not groupthink, but it's when it's one, one, one. Herd mentality? Herd mentality. Right. I, I'm not sure the psychological study and the terminology behind it, but once you get into that herd mentality, it becomes a lot easier too. I mean, as we've seen, anybody's seen in the past two and a half years of what, what's been going on in most of the world with respect to certain... Okay, don't get us canceled. No, we're not going to get canceled <laughs> yet, but I think everybody can infer what we're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, the point is is that you it's it becomes a lot... Once it, It's very hard to be a contrarian. Because yeah. when you're out in the cold like that, it's very hard to stand up, if, if especially if it's based off of principles right. w- that you fundamentally believe in and that are tried and true, you know, over time. So, and I, I think in that particular case, generally speaking, yeah, like the cancel culture element was not good. It 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 uh, it leads you to believe. It, it gives you with it. it you start off with a bias. You can no longer be impartial anymore. That's the problem. And if you look at fundamentally, really, especially if we're looking in a court of law, and in particular the way that those things are tried and the way that the process works, you are innocent until proven guilty, which is a... F- ideally. <laughs> ideally. Right. But I, I, there's a reason why... And we'll obviously get into this in a future podcast. If you use deductive reasoning, you have to think of all the cases that were put in, in the legal system, even the, the, the phrase legal system in general, even if you're thinking about the phrase legal system or the practical application of it. This is not something that existed for thousands of years. It's not, so, it's not something that existed for, you know, even a thousand years. Mm. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, there, there's, there's a. We unfortunately tend to think of things on such a small time scale. We don't realize that these sorts of features in our society and in our culture they they didn't exist in perpetuity. So there's a there's a naturally evolving phenomenon that always happens with these sorts of systems. And on top of that, there is also. I don't know how how to really word it. Um, but there is, there's, there's some elements of these things that are fixed. There's some that are, that are subject to change over time. And with respect to the legal system, the reason that you have innocent until proven guilty is that you sh- the, each individual citizen should have the right or the opportunity to defend themselves in court. Now, if the evidence is what everybody suggests it is, then it will be proven in court. And the, the, the individual charged of the crime, they'll be convicted. Well, yeah, that, I mean that was that was definitely the uh, the idea. Um, I, I know that a lot of people they got away with doing a lot of things for a, a very long time. Um, you have your Harvey Weinstein's of the world, so I guess the pendulum swings both ways. But yeah, there should be due process whenever these allegations are made. In my opinion, I mean this whole believe the women all the time. Like, you can see why that would be problematic, right? Believe anything all the time is problematic. Absolutely. And in this particular case, women, yeah. It's about, yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, yeah. right? It's not good. So, yeah, like, did you... <laughs> I think I know what your answer is going to be. Did you ever watch Sex in the City? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by watch? Do you mean have I directly gone to consume the episode and watch the episode? No, but I've seen, obviously... 
it's impossible to not see certain clips of various shows. So I've seen clips either on social media uh, or by happenstance of family members or friends that I know of have been watching. Not my friends particularly, but generally speaking. <laughs> friends and girl, Girls in high that. school they used to be friends with, you know, that they, they would watch shows like that, Sex and the City being one of them. I have no idea of the context specifically of the show. I know enough that it's... You know, oh, so it's not it's not I, the I greatest show, you know. No, no, I didn't, it's not exactly my thing. So, but uh, it was on a lot. It was in syndication. You know, obviously, I'm aware of the show. I, what here's what I just read recently, and here's why I'm bringing this up. Hmm. I saw an article that popped up on my Google feed. Apparently, the guy, his name is um, the actor's name is Chris Noth. He's now had three women accuse him of sexual assault. So I clicked on the article. He's he's denying it. He's denying it. But he's he's one of the main actors. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna assume he is, or he's supporting whatever. He, but he's involved in the show, right? Like they had a, they had a photo of him. He doesn't look familiar. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But um, the article just read: um, Sex in the City actor Chris Noth um, is. I think it even said he's being canceled. So I said, "Oh, okay." I this is recent. This. Yeah, this was very recent. So I clicked on it, and it said that three women have come forward and accused him of sexual assault. But he is denying it. He is denying it. So mm. how do you look at this? Do you say, well, there's three of them, so therefore there has to be some truth to it? Or, or like what? Or do you say, you know, it hasn't been proven. They could be conspiring or collaborating. Where are we going with this? As a society, where are we going with this? You asked me fundamentally what I believe in or, or yeah. what's the fundamentally I believe in. I'm a principled individual, so I will always lean on being principled in this particular case, as with all other cases. And there's another one that is um, because you brought up the accusatory element. I don't know if you've also heard of the quarterback on the well, he was in the Houston, Texas, but he got traded to the Cleveland Browns. I think he was accused uh, by 25, 26 women, but we'll, I'll keep it on the thread of the, the individual from Sex and the City. I can read the evidence within whatever the release to the public, and that might point to one particular outcome or another. But my general rule in how I assess the outcome of, of a, and how I, if I was to, if we were to have, like locker room talk, you're talking with anybody else about it, I would say that, yeah, okay, it looks like this guy, there's a, there's a chance that he might be guilty. But until you see that in court, I mean, and the justice system that we have is not perfect by any means, but that does not mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater either. You know, there are elements of issues with the court system, but you're innocent until proven guilty, and it's not what what you want to believe. It's what the defense will present, and it's what the Crown will present and or the state depending on where you're listening to this from um and i i i i don't know i don't know what i don't know i know i'm principled and i don't i don't i i I don't know what it's like to not be principled so somebody else might say well no that's bullshit because it's these three women like you said there's the volume element of it there's three women that accused him and shouldn't three rule over one? Well, no. 
Well, how do how do how do we know that they're not fabricating the evidence? Now, that doesn't mean that this particular individual he did not. Uh, also, what what exactly? I would love to know what the threshold is. What qualifies as sexual assault? Right. Yes, that's also another. I mean, I'm sure it's well codified, and I don't think that there's there's probably is a gray area. But I think the cancel culture element of censorship or trying to prevent somebody from having an occupation or, or you're really using social media or the news, whatever the case might be, it really it muddies that area. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but it, it makes it much more challenging to face these things. And the other thing, too, is really we can have honest dialogue about it right? because we're two individuals who maybe have a skeptical perspective on certain things and we want to have good good honest dialogue principal dialogue but in mm-hmm. other individuals they don't really necessarily care about that so in, in insofar as they're concerned once your reputation is sullied it's sullied for the rest of your life you can't get that back no no you cannot it's the same thing i don't know what you think same thing with deshaun watson like the guy got accused even more 25 women so what do you wow yeah and you know a couple of my buddies uh, brought it up and they said you know well it's 25 women. This guy's fucked, right? Like, or he's, he's, there's, he did this and he did that. I'm sure there's enough corroboration amongst all these uh, victims that, that there probably is some or a lot of truth to whatever is being the, the said. The reason why I asked what qualifies as, um, excuse me, sexual harassment or sexual assault. Uh, when I hear the, the term sexual assault, I immediately think that a woman has been um, violated not necessarily raped, but but violated mm. in some way. Um, has that definition changed legally? No. I don't know. I'm asking. So, no, no, no. So it's still? No, it's the exact same. There's nothing. I mean, okay, okay listen. We have <laughs> a little bit of a different take in Canada than I would say in the States with respect to laws, especially in the past, call it seven, eight years, mm-hmm. and different types of parliamentary influence on those laws. Mm-hmm. And and interpretations of those laws, not in so far as 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 my understanding is is on physical assault, sexual assault, more so on speech. But okay, it, so it, so is that part of it? Is is that in? Would um, I consider that sexual assault? No, not you. But it, do you know? Okay, obviously every state has their own laws, but would that be pretty uniform across the board? Would there be a consensus on what qualifies as sexual assault? I would think so. I would think so. All right, and it's verbal. Um, like, if a person makes "quote unquote" unwanted advances on a woman, does that qualify as sexual assault? It's a good question. Not, not that you're a lawyer. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. Because that could be. Here's why I ask. I that, think that could no. be problematic. I say no. I say no, but right. only because I'm. When I hear. The, when I think of the word assault, immediately what comes to mind is there's got to be some element of physicality involved or some element of threat of physicality. Well, some some would argue that it doesn't, right? That that it can be verbal, but it, it would it would have to be extreme if it's verbal. M- maybe the, it's a, a, not a problem. Uh, maybe it's a problem of quantification and, mm-hmm. and the wording itself. Right. Maybe there's just, on our interpretation, being too, like, we're not obviously lawyers, so we don't technically know the legalese that surrounds those particular terms maybe there are uh, sub uh, subsets of terms that will describe 
a version of sexual assault that is specifically verbal. Right. I'm not sure, and that could that could definitely be the case. Uh, I wish we had Jamie to pull that up or something like that. <laughs> we <laughs> no, we, no, we, we do not have Jamie. a side assistant. So, uh, <laughs> Wrong podcast. I suppose that that is possible, but I, I don't. I would think if I was a lawyer, if I was going to create law, then I would create separate verbiage for not assault. I wouldn't call it assault, but I would mm-hmm. call it some sort of threat verbally. Right. And then you'd have to contextualize it. Like, what do you? So, if you're going to say what's sexual assault by verbally, what could somebody possibly say? Well, it, it can be obscene or disturbing enough where I can see a person wanting it addressed, and then also where where it happens. I mean, if we're talking about an employee. And she or he or he whatever is being spoken to in a particular manner by their boss mm-hmm. or someone someone um, of authority. I can see them wanting um, someone else to intervene, be it the law or you know whatever. But I can see them wanting boundaries enforced in that particular case. But here's where I was going with this. <clears throat> I believe that once upon a time. Men were way more aggressive in their pursuit of women. They didn't necessarily intend to be menacing or threatening or anything like that, but that's just the way society was mm-hmm. at some point. That's, that's what I believe in, that men were expected to pursue women aggressively, not obnoxiously, but aggressively. They were expected to make the first move, and they were expected to be bold in making the first move. I think we should also make a distinction between aggressively and assertively. Because we can, um, we can see that there's somebody. Okay. Yeah. I think we might be splitting hairs, but I think there is a distinction between the two. All right. And I think that while they can also do both assertively and aggressively, I think that there, I think the the level of interpretation from the woman, I think women want, based on studies that I've read, women want assertive men, mm-hmm. but they may not necessarily want aggressive men depending on the context of whatever where it's being applied yeah it's just okay like men weren't shyness wasn't exactly a very very redeemable thing it wasn't considered a masculine trait it's not or timidity uh, more accurately Uh, it wasn't considered a very masculine trait and men were expected to take the initiative of women so if the woman reciprocates and she's welcoming this particular man's advances, it becomes acceptable. <laughs> if, she, if the woman's not interested in this particular man, maybe she says it's harassment. You know, I, I don't know. I really don't. I've heard that said once. Um, I have a very interesting friend of mine who said that, uh, you know, and he said this, not me. He said uh, the difference between harassment and courtship is the level of attraction on the woman's perspective, on the woman's end. <laughs> that's, that's the key differentiator. That if the woman is interested in the man, he can pretty much open up with <laughs> just about anything he wants. Again, I was listening to a podcast um, where they broke down the original Top Gun. All right, And you know that scene where Tom Cruise follows her into the washroom? Mm-hmm. He follows Kelly mm-hmm. McGillis into the washroom, right? So the guy doing the podcast, his name was Isaac Weishop. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Anyways, um, he says, to all you men listening to this, don't, don't try this. You are not Tom Cruise. 
<laughs> no, you're not Maverick. No. So, like, is, is, is there validity to that? You know, it depends who's taking this kind of initiative. Uh, yes. I, I, absolutely, there's validity to that. Now, we're, if we take a stance, I think I can speak on your behalf. If we're taking a particular stance, it's not to say that there is, like, insurmountable empirical evidence to back this up. We're not – we're both well-read, so it's not – we're not going to approach this in a way to say we, we're saying this just because we think it's our opinion. It's not our opinion. I think there generally is a sense of, yeah, if you're attracted to the individual, you're okay with approaches, you're okay with assertiveness, you're okay with aggressiveness. Creepiness is no longer creepiness. Mm-hmm. It's desired. And I, I – generally believe that I think there is an element where this this is not inescapable per se, but if you contextualize this in in human history and we, you, you start looking at behavioral trends and how they've evolved over time from an anthropological perspective, you we, we might come to consider that this was just because we've become more civilized it not it doesn't mean that there wasn't a point in time where there wasn't your certain group of men who were assholes there wasn't certain groups of men that were you know more masculine or whatnot so i i i don't know this might be a not a sunk cost but there might be a just a part of our particular um evolution or our particular behavioral trends that we can escape the fact that i'm not saying that and i think you would agree i'm not saying that this is necessarily okay 100 percent of the time but or even 10 percent of the time it's just something that's part of that uh, human history and the tapestry of our behavior, our behavior towards one another mm-hmm. over time. Like if you take another species, you take like a peacock, for example, just because I thought of the visual representation of how they try to, you know, their their level of courtship. Right. Is is that you know? Is it misogynistic? Is it creepy? <laughs> no. It's, they, We're going to cancel peacocks. Yeah. They, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you know, I, there there is that element. There's there's that uh, that under underpinning all of that, all of these types of discussions is the element of our behavior, our hum- human behavior. Mm-hmm. Same thing with any animal that we can pick out that does something very illustrative or that's very you know wild uh, in terms of how we would describe it. Right. And we don't we we can look up that objectively, but for humans, we say you know. Catcalling, as an example, is something that you know it's disgusting, and men should do away with that. But that's that's been a part of which which I don't get, by the way. And I'll tell you why. If you were walking down the street, and a and a group of women started making sounds to indicate that they found you attractive, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I I get that it can get annoying after a while, and. Um, you know, if they accompany the cat calls with some obscenities or, or whatever, then I can see why it would cross the line. But if all they're doing is indicating to you that they find you attractive, personally, I never understood that one. I don't either. And I, I this is totally maybe unrelated, but also related. Mm-hmm. There's an element of personal responsibility and accountability right. that also goes into the way other people will perceive you. So if if you're a woman and you're dressing in something that's super provocative, the natural instinct and hey, we're talking you can't about, tell people how to dress, pal. <laughs> the natural instinct of and we're the the gut the visceral gut reaction is going to be 
okay, I, I'm immediately going to have a gaze upon that because that's just a natural reaction. Right. That doesn't mean necessarily that you're attracted to that individual uh, on a deeper level. It's, 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 it's kind of... No, it's totally superficial. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think women who... who the, the, the problem is not necessarily the problem. The rebuttal will be, well, I want to dress the way I want to dress. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But then you have to put up with the consequences of that. You don't live in a in a box. You live in a human culture, human society. You live in a certain geographic area with different values mm -hmm. and different sorts of norms that people abide by and adhere to and laws and that might be acceptable. If you take if you take somewhere in the Middle East, this conversation is totally flipped. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it, we're we're really we're, even our views right now are very westernized, but I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't find them. That's the one thing where I think this conversation will, we can kind of get off track, but also it, it, it's really true that it's w women and men that you both have need to have personal responsibility and accountability to say there must be a particular reason why an individual is doing that. And, and furthermore, if a guy's catcalling you, he probably thinks you're attractive. Is that not something that you want to? Well, again, this is kind of why I opened up with this difference in the, you know, these, this generational difference. <clears throat> when I was in high school, my first high school um, was was an all boy school. All right, and we, we used to have a teacher. I'm I'm not going to say her name. Shamanat. Uh, I cannot confirm or deny that. Okay. So <laughs> we used to have a teacher who she was attractive, and you know. She she definitely got everyone's attention, and she would walk in the most we all thought at the time provocative way. And um, you know, some of the more rowdy students, not myself, because I was always um, a perfect student, mm -hmm. right? But uh, some of the more rowdy, <laughs> <laughs> some of the more rowdy students would uh, catcall her. Would catcall her? Yeah, absolutely. Like this was semi-daily occurrence and um she didn't seem to mind it at all if i'm being honest <laughs> now it's hard to it's hard, i'm not a mind reader but uh yeah she's she seemed flattered she seemed flattered by the attention so i don't know <clears throat> if that's a relatively um you know a, a new phenomenon or rather a paradigm shift that um younger younger women find it more you know offensive than say women of previous generations. Um, I also knew another woman. She was a former. She was a former model, and she lived in the same neighborhood that I grew up in. But she only lived there for a brief period of time. Yeah. She told me that when she used to go jogging, she used to have every obscenity. She was a very attractive woman. She used to have every obscenity known to man <laughs> yelled at her. Um, you know, but she laughed it off. I mean, she used to tell me that like it, it was, it was, it was funny. Can I play devil's advocate for yeah. a second? So let's just say we take a contrarian viewpoint here, mm. and we take that specific example that right. everybody would yelling obscenities to her. W what should be the solution then? I, I this, that's exactly. Oh. What's the practical solution? I, I have no idea. I mean, can you can you police people's words? Can you can you do that? No. They're trying their best. You can argue that they're trying their best. 
Um, I, personally, I think you're going to create a ton of rebellion. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't like being told what to do fundamentally. And, um, you know, whatever validity or whatever valid uh, constructive change you want to bring about, this is not the way to do it. Not in my opinion. You know, I I can't make you a better person by telling you what to say and what not to say. You know, it just doesn't work like that. I can can educate you. I can inform you. I can give you a different perspective. But I cannot point my finger in your face and say, hey, you better not say this or else. Like, you know, you're going to be like, fuck that. I'll say whatever I want. Mm -hmm. That's going to be your natural response. So I don't know where we're going with this, you know, and I... I'll be honest with you. I was surprised to see how many. So I don't, I'm not big on pop culture. I, so when I looked into it, I was very surprised to see how many celebrities have had their head on the chopping block. You know, it, it, it's it's incredible here. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. For what? <laughs> oh, this is this is insane. So apparently, he used some homophobic slurs in 2021, and his daughter wrote him a letter. Now, I, I don't know if his daughter went public with the letter, but his daughter basically wrote him a letter and said, um, you're ignorant, something to that effect. You know, you shouldn't, you should really educate yourself and not speak that way. So I'm not sure if she's the one that went public with it, but, but it got out there. It got out. So mm. like, how, what, do, what do you make of that? That, that was his daughter. It kind of echoes back to what you had mentioned and asked earlier to the generational issue. And I I tend to think that we're gonna get this is a little bit it's a little bit deeper here, but fundamentally you don't obtain virtue by Censoring other people, you don't obtain virtue by, well, really, I, in my head right now, as I'm trying to think of examples of virtue signaling, they all comes back to, like, cancel culture is kind of like that thing in the middle. It's like a concentric circle, or at least it's close to the middle. And everything kind of emanates and goes out from there, where you're, you're getting uh, these types of individuals who think it's I, I'm people are going to see me with some sort of they're going to have a perception of me that's look how I'm, I'm so I told I can you believe I told my dad my dad is a famous actor his he's Matt Damon and look at look at how much respect I'm going to obtain from my peers locally and through social media that I must be this person that I'm I'm so you know, I'm, 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 I'm such a good person. I, you know, it, it. well, listen, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I think virtue signaling is so extensive nowadays that we can do an episode just on that. And so, we will. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you think that that's, re- I don't know how old she is. I mean, she, she might be very young. Maybe she's a teenager. Maybe she's a young adult. Um, I know that if I, had a problem with something my father had said or done, I would discuss it with him privately. Absolutely. And, and again, I don't know if she's the one that released it, but it got out. It got out. So, But even the letter, 
Yeah. Why the, why the hell would you write a letter? Just go speak to him. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I mean, unless you're maybe not she's a not good, good at uh, face-to-face dialogue. Well, that's the other thing also mm. with the generation as well. If you look at from, you take your age to my age to the youngest of my particular generation, face-to-face dialogue. And, you know, we, we even have, uh, you know, individuals um, that are, I, I don't know, I think that it, if I think of my own personal, uh, not friends particularly, but I have uh, friends of friends, relatives, I know of individuals, um, just, you could see it every day. Yeah. Every day. You go to any particular setting, you could, when there's somebody's a younger generation, they have their head down 24-7, they're on their phone, there's the antisocial oh, behavior. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of a lot of this, you know, there's a lot of things that you can't have. Um, you can't have these perfect. Like you, you learn a lot of, you you get a lot of growth and you learn a lot of things in life from negative circumstances mm-hmm. and from negative conditions. And you can't have this perfectly encapsulated world where there's no conflict. You're free from harm. You're isolated from anything that's ever going to affect you potentially in a negative way. Like that just does not work. And I think that's the world that they want to live in, that generation where they, I, I give you a personal example um, of cancel culture or these sorts of statements uh, or virtue signaling. And I won't get too specific, but um, I have a relative who I was helping him move some furniture in his office mm-hmm. and one of my other relatives, his daughter, um, we, we were, I was with, with a buddy moving the furniture, and I, I noticed that some of the posters now that real estate agents use in Ontario, instead of it saying master bedroom, they will now, I think they now label it as principal bedroom or something to that effect. Okay. So, yeah, so they've changed it from master to principal. Um, and we won't, um, we're not going to obviously go into detail on that, but we were just saying how it, Yet. Yet. We, <laughs> w- me and my buddy were just mentioning not the fact, we weren't going to even into really the fact that we think it's kind of foolish or if, uh, it doesn't really make any sense. We were just saying that I can't believe that this is something now that it's become this pervasive, that something that is completely objective, that maybe not ha- might not have any connotation or connection to something. It's master bedroom, master meaning the owner of the house. The owner of the house gets the biggest room. <laughs> yeah. Not, not like some owner of, Slave, let's say, for example. So we were just we were kind of chuckling, saying it's, it's just crazy that it's, it's this pervasive now. And my relative, she was in one of the office rooms. She was, she's, mm-hmm. she's fresh out of university. Great institutions now in Canada and in the United States. They're beautiful. And, uh, Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> she was basically saying to us, you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about. I learned in my class that you guys are blah, 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 blah. And then she eventually gets to the point where she calls us a white hegemonic male. Ooh, big yeah, word. Big word. <laughs> big word. So I, I asked her, I said, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean by a white hegemonic male? Well, she goes, you know, you, you, don't, you don't understand how much privilege you guys have. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I, when, I was, when we were talking about it, I, I, <laughs> I was like, I was fucking shocked. I'm thinking... We have the same lineage. You know our family history. You know that that's not the case. You know the shared stories of our grandfather when he, when he immigrated here. You know exactly what he had to go through so, and our fathers. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of, I don't, there's the disconnect there, right? So to type back into the generational conversation, the virtue signaling, she right. thinks 
she thinks by her making that remark to me that she's done something. Yes. Number one, that she's done something. <laughs> and number two, that she's correct. Okay. Which she's neither. She has she didn't she didn't change my perspective. It was not a very well versed dialogue. Right. And it wasn't correct because white hegemonic male is is trying to establish some sort of hierarchy that mm. you know my, me and my buddy had established over everybody else and somehow we're we're not working hard we're we're not we have some superior advantage to other types of individuals with different types of you know well i mean you know this thread connects to so many different things and you know that is actually something I would I would love to discuss in the future, and, and we will because it's we we can go we can do a really good deep dive on that one as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm trying to bite my tongue a little bit. I don't want to go too, <laughs> <laughs> too far. Ahead. It's hard though because know. It's, you know it all kind of intersects at some point. It's yeah. impossible to have this dialogue mm-hmm. without emotionally. It's it's better to obviously try to do this in a calm manner, right. but from a topic perspective. The way that these individuals weave all these things together, it's impossible to not hit on one when talking about another. It's almost like they all coalesce now. They do. They do. That's why, you know, I I had some difficulty trying to isolate um, this topic, but, you know, I think think we're doing okay so far. (laughs) So, um, yeah, they all kind of intersect with one another mm-hmm. this is a very interesting time to be alive and there's a lot to discuss but um you know what i find interesting though about about these some of these people who are so adamant in correcting other people's speech other people's um behavior ideologies what have you is that a lot of their heads have ended up on the chopping block so I, I mean, okay. Here, here's a good one. You know Sharon Osbourne, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now she's been a very um, vocal advocate for for cancel culture. Yeah, kind of. Like she's she's been very vocal in criticizing like Donald Trump for one. Um, you know, she finds him rude, obscene divisive, all these things. So I, I was floored when I found out that Sharon Osbourne has recently come under fire for making racial slurs. How about that? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's, it's funny, right? Because you see all these people, they're up on their high horse, all these celebrities, and, you know, oh, he shouldn't say this, or, oh, that person shouldn't say that. But meanwhile... How do you feel now? Now you're the one under fire. Mm -hmm. Um, Her daughter. um, What's her name? What's her daughter's name? Do you want me to look it up? I'll pull a Uh, (laughs) young Jamie moment here. I can look it up. What is her daughter's name? It's driving me crazy. I know her son's name is Jack. I love that guy's TV shows. Um, And Ozzy, of course. Kelly. Kelly Osborne. Okay. So Kelly Osborne had one of the cringiest moments in TV history. She was on, I think it was The View, but don't quote me on that. She was on one of those talk shows, and uh, I just saw the clip when it went, when it went viral. And she said, uh, hey, Donald Trump, if you hate Mexicans, who do you think is going to clean the toilets at all your hotels? And all her, <laughs> yeah, all her co-hosts are like, oh, no. And then she tried to walk it back, but she failed miserably. So she got canned? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really the biggest guy in pop culture, but yeah, like it was so 
cringe inducing. It, mm-hmm. it was bad. And I'm mm-hmm. like, so you people, j- people will tell you. Yeah. At the moment, that, that's the other thing that, that, that also, and sorry for cutting you off, but no, no. that's the other thing that we'll also, will inevitably talk about as well. This, this cancel culture bullshit creates like a purity spiral where there's no escaping. Nobody will, at some point, nobody's going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, the, it's, it's this obsession with that group over there, they're not good. Or th- these people that make these remarks, we've got to get rid of them. That doesn't. It doesn't work. There's Where does it end? Where does it end? end? Like I, I mean, the cancelers are being canceled, right? So and then somebody will cancel those cancelers, right? So I, I don't know where we're going with this. I really, really don't. I, I get trying to educate people, and you want to live in a better society, a society where people treat each other better. But I, I don't think this is the way. I, I don't see any real good being done here. No, no, there isn't. There, there needs, fundamentally, there needs at some point, my general opinion on a lot of things, not only cancel culture, but there needs to be some element introduced of hardship, either voluntary or otherwise, for a, a good chunk of our population, especially the younger generations. When you have hardship, you don't, you don't really, and I, I'm, that's not to say that I'm not trying to delegitimize actual individuals who, again, unfortunately get, get overshadowed with all this cancer culture bullshit. You, you need, there's going to be an element of hardship where you can no longer, can I really word this? You'll be so desperate and overcome with other real life challenges that this virtue signaling cancel culture phenomenon will cease to exist because it has no place in society. When you have a when you have a society and culture of abundance, which is what the American culture, not only culture, the legal system, the economic systems, the country in general was able to produce, this is what happens. When mm-hmm. people are fat and lazy and they have they have no other Preoccupations. You mean fat in a very general sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get us canceled. No. <laughs> yeah. Fat. The, the term "fat and lazy" meaning when 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 you're when you're in a position where you're you're very lax mm-hmm. in your approach to life, and you don't really care. Take, abundance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, and there's a lot of abundance, and you can see, you can see those types of trends in physical. Uh, representations if we were to look that's, at different, that's yeah that's you look that, at different demographics point. right so mm-hmm. you w- once once you start seeing and this was oddly enough not to get too again uh, off track here but this was also a phenomenon that happened in the 20s in berlin in germany where another society that had uh weimar republic before they had their hyperinflation before a lot of political miscues but they had they generally speaking had a, a decent economy Mm-hmm. Up until that point, not very uh, centralized, but although it became more centralized. And there was a lot of similarities between the Western cultures now, Canada and the United States, and specifically that particular point in time. And you can kind of see there's external conditions that are also present. Right. Aside from the, the cultural things that we've been chatting about so far, that... It's it's human behavior at the end of the day. We obviously we can't escape that. But what ended up changing those things was a level of hardship. You had a Great Depression. You had World War Two. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. Nothing develops the character better than hardship. Yeah. So uh, I read that once. It was... Um, Jocko? No. <laughs> Marcus Aurelius? No. Samurai? <laughs> yeah, it was a more uh, antiquated stoic, not Jocko. Um, and it, yeah, it said that you should seek hardship out mm-hmm. because it develops character. Absolutely. So I, I mean, I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. <sighs> Here's another thing that uh, has gotten quite a few people in trouble. And I think you know where I'm going with this. The I don't actually. V-A-X. <laughs> V-A-X? Mm-hmm. So we saw Joe Rogan, the biggest podcaster in the world. <clears throat> he, actually, I don't even know if he's the biggest anymore, but, he, but anyway, he, he's, his name is like synonymous with podcasts. Um, he got in a bit of trouble. You remember when he came down with the, um, the so, virus? Yeah. He, 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 bas- he essentially uh, listed his treatment and what he had done to overcome the virus, and uh, he was immediately vilified. attacked. Yeah, he was vilified to the max. Mm-hmm. They laughed at him. They mocked him. They, they tried their best to get him canceled. Right? And, and then, you know, Conveniently, some might say conveniently, some old recordings of his resurfaced where he was making some um, questionable jokes. I didn't hear the jokes, but um, yeah, he made some racial remarks, mm-hmm. something like that. But I mean, that just kind of resurfaced at the same time as um, as this was going on. He was mm-hmm. he was being scrutinized for this. Quentin Rampage Jackson. I think we've discussed this before. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll mention it briefly. So Quentin Rampage Jackson, uh, he's an MMA fighter. He was a former UFC um, 205 champ, light heavyweight champ. He, um, him and Joe Rogan had, they had a bit of a beef um, a long time ago Mm -hmm. with respect to Joe Rogan's commentary. Quinn Jackson didn't feel like Joe Rogan was calling his fights accurately or being fair. So some reporter, I don't know who, but some reporter approached Quinn Jackson. Quinn Jackson's a black MMA fighter, and they had asked him what he thought about these Joe Rogan recordings where he's, he's allegedly making some racial remarks. Um, he responded with, you're not mad at Joe for these recordings, mm-hmm. you're mad at him for something else. Mm-hmm. Now I'm paraphrasing, but but essentially that was the gist. What of it. He refused to be manipulated. Yeah, he's like, listen, I don't, I don't know if you're coming to me because I'm black or because I've had my differences with Joe Rogan or both, but this is not what you're saying. It's about mm-hmm. this is about something else. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that whole angle to cancel culture. You know, there is... It's insidious. Is that what you're kind um, of alluding to? It, it sure seems that way. Well planned out. I don't know. If, it just, it seems like when you take a position that's contrary to the position, uh, mainstream media, celebrities, um, not all celebrities, but, but um, a main contingent of celebrities, if you go against that opinion... Whatever opinion they may have, you know, who's a better presidential candidate, um, what's a better attitude to have, um, whatever the case may be, or even a medical treatment, they come after you hard. 
Okay. Now, CNN, along with other publications, I'm, I'm sure of it, they ran stories talking about how Joe Rogan is essentially an idiot and that people shouldn't listen to him. So Joe Rogan had, what's the guy's name from CNN again? What? Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay Gupta. I believe, yeah. Yeah. So he, Joe Rogan brought him on and he, he, he stood up for himself. He essentially said, hey, you know, this is what I did. This is what my doctor told me to do. Who the hell are you to tell me that I'm an idiot for doing it? I mean, I, all I did was, was, you know. Could it be that it was contrary to uh, what they were potentially recommending? Well, th- that, that's my point, right? So they've taken a position, right? <clears throat> CNN um, very much followed Dr. Fauci's recommendations on how to deal with yeah, I think you mean St. Saint, Saint Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> they, they followed his guidelines. Um, they were very dogmatic about it, you know, like, hey, do this, and uh, that's the end of the story, right? Take the vaccine, isolate, whatever, whatever, the, you know, whatever they were told mm-hmm. from Dr. Fauci. So Joe Rogan said, hey, uh, I'm not vaccinated, but here's what I did, and it worked for me. And you wouldn't think that would be problematic. I mean, he's not standing up there saying, hey, I know better than every doctor on earth. I'm, I'm a podcast guy, you know. Oh, he often, he, he usually disqualifies, actually. Yeah, he, he's pretty good about doing that, right? Like, he's pretty good about telling his listeners, like, hey, I'm not all that, you know, I'm not all that smart. Don't listen to me. You know, listen to people you should be listening to. But he he does have a right to speak. Not only does he have a right, but for this particular case regarding, uh, I heard one of the guys I follow, he's an economist, not a real economist, but he talks about economics a lot. His name is George Gammon. And he has a podcast called, uh, one is after his name, and he's got another one called uh, Rebel Capitalist. And he calls it the Cerveza Sickness. Hmm. So I think that helps out with... Uh, uh, not getting canceled. Uh, so we can maybe refer to it as the Cerveza sickness. <laughs> maybe he's got a copyright on that. Yeah. No, I, no, he doesn't. He, that's definitely not a guy who would have a copyright. But uh, he, even if you generally, if you if you look at this whole episode of the Cerveza sickness in kind of human history and, and in um, how we've kind of handled things one way or the other for the past two years or so, why would you not think about this logically for a second? If there's merit to what he's saying and there's the potential that he might fundamentally alter the course of somebody's medical treatment and it's for the better, why would you not want him disseminating that information? And if it's obviously, if it's worked for him as an example, that doesn't necessarily mean medical applications are obviously not uniform in nature. Uh, I guess there are instances where that is more sold the case and it's not the case but it's there, there could be medications or treatments that were good for some people and bad for others but it why would you not want discourse and dialogue to the effect that somebody would generally speaking be disclosing the fact that hey this worked for me in a time when you have to remember not you specifically but you as use the general you there was instances while he was doing his podcast last year that People were worried. People were generally thinking, like, if we don't get the the cerveza sickness treatment, the <laughs> official treatment, <laughs> the VAX, very creative, yeah, yeah uh, that uh, 
we, you know, you're basically going to die. So there, there, there were instances in where he, he was bringing light to the attention that there was alternative, not really even alternative in the sense that they were unknown, alternative meaning they weren't the general prescription at the time. Um, and he was bringing light to that. Not only him, there was a lot of people, a lot, a lot of other podcasters, a lot of other individuals, but he's got the biggest platform, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, without getting too deep, because I'm sure we'll cover this in other episodes, there is something underlying the reason why they they obviously wanted to cancel him. In this particular instance, it's much more widespread and it's much mm-hmm. more collective. This is not somebody getting canceled. It's not an actor getting canceled. This is much more... You have to understand something here. This is... Well, it's important to note they, they failed. Yes, they failed. He, he, yeah. he is still very much active. No, he's very active. Mm-hmm. Not only is he active, I think that... Uh, what's the phenomenon called again? Um that um, Streisand effect. The what? Streisand effect. So basically, <laughs> okay. when you're trying to censor something, you're mm-hmm. trying to uh, so, you're, you're trying to basically not have something spread. The act of censorship is the very thing of censoring actually will increase the likelihood of of it spreading. So, in this particular, you it's it's kind of. It's it kind of it, the the herd of behavior works in, in the favor of free speech in this case because individuals are, have a tendency to to actually get around somebody like that, not trying to cut them off. Depending yeah. obviously which what your yeah. p- political leaning or philosophical views are, but mm-hmm. that that that's generally what happened in this particular case. Well, that's uh, <clears throat> that's that's actually a very good point. They tried that with the uh, rock bands. Way back when, mm-hmm. you know, they said listening to rock music came with um, unwanted consequences. Um, I, I think even a couple of um, shooters in this, somewhere, I can't remember where. It happened a long time ago. But, they, but they, he, there was a high school kid. I think he was a high school kid. He shot a couple of people and <clears throat> his lawyer said he had been listening to a lot of Black Sabbath Right, so they were saying, "Oh, hey, you shouldn't listen to this stuff anymore." I think they had record sales. You know, when 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 someone of authority tried to say, "Hey, you don't, you shouldn't listen to this individual anymore," you kind of aid in boosting their popularity. Mm-hmm. That's the Streisand effect. Yeah, no, well, that I know. Why is it called the Streisand effect? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, you know, no, I read I read this last year. Something happened with Barbara Streisand where they didn't want to, I don't know the exact details, but she didn't want, they didn't want information released. Mm-hmm. The act of not trying to release the information made the information actually become disclosed. So oh. it, okay. it un, unintended consequences, basically, for the people who are trying to censor. And that often is the there case. And we're, the Streisand effect. Yeah. And we're, I think we're seeing that now in general. You have to, you have to understand something. You you. All Western society mm-hmm. has known since 1776, or more or less. 1776. <laughs> That's my Alex Jones impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> All we've known is having certain, you know, God-given rights, mm-hmm. and one of them being free speech. So mm-hmm. that's not to say that every individual realizes the value of it, but insofar as these types of conversations that we've been having or, or these, these topics that we've been going across you, 
it's almost a natural it's a natural learn learned in a sense that we we want to have the right to have free speech or we want to be able to express what we want to express to the point where we do not infringe on other people's rights right so you you're you're never going to get to the point it's like wildfire you're never going to put it out you know like one bucket at a time you're not going to cancel somebody one person at a time you're not going to cancel a joe rogan something else will come to fill that void yeah i i like i said i don't know where they're going with this i really don't they've been trying to cancel like um joe rogan since he's since he's done that i don't know if it's kind of died jordan out peterson now. as well uh jordan peterson mm-hmm. yeah for what a whole slew of things. Uh, he he really got off to he got off on a bad. Uh, he had uh, a lot of run-ins and issues, uh, from my understanding, with other University of Toronto professors. Okay. And the I forget, I don't know what the the in a university the organization that kind of oversees everything. I forget what some sort of committee or something All that right. ever. But they they didn't like what he was doing. They didn't like his lectures. They didn't like that he was protesting. And he was protesting a bill that the parliament was trying to pass that was forcing him to, you know, use certain types of words okay. and speech. It was trying to compel his speech. Mm-hmm. And they same thing. They tried to cancel him too. They tried to terminate his, his his job at U of T. They tried to stop his practice as a clinical psychologist. Wow. Who knows all the other countless times that they've tried to cancel him insofar as his YouTube channel, like any sort of media source that they've, they've basically tried to deplatform him. And he's obviously still standing. And people think that just because somebody has a platform that they're, these people aren't fucking human. Like that's not the way it works. Like it's, it's a heavy challenge and a heavy burden to try to go through and to bear for somebody to, to continuously and monotonously deal with these issues. If somebody's in the right or they think they're in the right. This is not, I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting. No, because I'm looking at it from my lens of ethics. People have a right. People do have a right to state their opinion. Now you have a right as a listener, not to listen to it. I mean, you don't, you don't have to agree with everything you hear. I I know that's a bit cliche, but, but I really, I believe in it. So Alex Jones, <laughs> Alex Jones. Um, we all know he was canceled. We know why. Most of us know why. Um, he's radioactive, though. He's like, a, if we were to give like a spectrum here, he's he's on the. Not saying it's right, but it's he's on like the. Yeah. My, okay. Right. I, I know where you're going with this, but you know what's interesting though. This is where I was going with this. Do you know who Jimmy Dore is? Jimmy Dore. The name sounds so familiar. Okay, so Jimmy Dore is another... Um, podcaster? He's not really a podcaster. He was involved with the Young Turks. Uh, he, he since had a falling out with them. Mm-hmm. So he he, um, he at one time despised Alex Jones. Okay, they actually had a run-in. You know that viral clip where Alex Jones and the... the I, I don't know his name. The guy from the Young Turks, the, the bigger guy. They have, they have like a confrontation. You know, you know which clip I'm referring to? Uh, Cenk. Uber. Yes, yes. No, I okay. don't know if I'm going to pronounce that. So in that clip where Alex Jones and Cenk, um, they have something of an altercation. Jimmy Dore mm-hmm. actually appears in, in this clip, mm-hmm. and he spits water on Alex Jones. Okay. so Classy. Huh? Classy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you'll appreciate this all the more. 
because you still don't know where I'm going with this. So he spit water on Alex Jones, all right? Mm-hmm. When Alex Jones was canceled, <clears throat> and he was canceled, uh, it was like a clean sweep. Every major podcast, uh, sorry, every major medium had canceled him. Jimmy Dore was actually on Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan, I believe, is friends with Alex Jones. So they had, uh, his name had come up in the, in the conversation with Jimmy Dore and Joe Rogan had asked him, well, what do you think of this? What do you think of Alex Jones being canceled? What do you think he said, Dom? Jimmy Dore? Yeah. What do you think he said? Well, based on what you described so far, he's probably at least somewhat supportive, even though they were antagonistic in the past. So I, I don't specifically, he probably said he doesn't deserve to be canceled. I don't know. He, yeah, he absolutely said that. He said, I basically hate everything that man says. I hate everything that comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. But he has a right to say it. Mm-hmm. And I do not support his removal from these platforms. Yep. Which is like... <sighs> Jimmy, okay, yeah. No, I, I, sorry, I just pulled him up on... YouTube on you Wikipedia. Yeah, no, no, I don't know who you're referring to. <laughs> We're going to get sued by Joe Rogan. What's that? We're going to get sued by Joe Rogan. Well, we didn't play anything. I just pulled <laughs> I pulled up. Uh, We're going to cancel, cancel on, canceling on the canceling. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, he's right. The, what, you, what, what I, sometimes when, when, when we have just informal dialogue, right. like we usually do, or in, over the course of this this episode so far, just in general, when you have this type of discourse with individuals, sometimes I I, I take the words that you're expressing, but I, I think almost in a not a metaphorical way, but I, I try to think like on a on an ethical or principle level, like mm-hmm. on a different axiom. Sorry. Right. So when when you said that, I immediately thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. He has a right to free speech. Like everybody has the right to free speech, no matter what. Now, okay, so. <clears throat> I've heard, I heard an interesting rebuttal to that because I've heard arguments for and against Alex Jones. And um, one of the rebuttals to that was they're private platforms. And if they find you vile, they have the right to remove you. So that's where it becomes interesting because technically they are private platforms, but they have something of a, a monopoly here. You know, it's not a complete monopoly. There are other, you know, they basically do, They've but they basically more or less have a, a complete monopoly. So, right, this is where corporate the issues of corporatism, and again, this will be another episode. But the, mm. this is where issues of corporatism come into play. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So, if 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 these entities, a Twitter, a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, whatever they might be, you cannot, on the one hand, say this is a private platform. But then you don't benefit. You you also benefit from certain regulation that's in U.S. legislation that prevents antitrust, you know, lawsuits from coming to fruition. So I, at the end of the day, I don't. I, I yes, they are private platforms, but the equivalent you can't think of it. Don't think of Twitter and YouTube. He doesn't have a right to to speak on Twitter and YouTube if if all the legislation is aligned all the way down, which it's not right now. But let's mm-hmm. just say it was. And they were broken up. They weren't as monopolized as they are right now. Then, yeah, they have to. Dis- they do have the discretion to do that. But the equivalent of really the parallel that we need to draw is he has the right to free speech. Imagine this was like a town square mm-hmm. instead of it being on Twitter or on YouTube. What would you do if it was a town square? The equivalent of what Twitter 
or a YouTube, they're basically handcuffing him and taking him away and putting a muzzle on him. Right. Would you be okay with that? No. If if this was guy, if this guy was in a town square, a lot of people would be <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe more than I'm giving credit to. A lot of people. Uh, significant. Yeah, well, amount of, I mean, listen. Somebody's advocating in favor of cancel culture. There's definitely a contingent of people that would absolutely do what you just said if they if they could. I'm I'm more of a free market guy, so mm-hmm. I think if. If he's saying shit information and he's saying things that are stupid, the market of listeners, in this case, your, your, your fellow citizens, will just not listen to him. And that's it. And if there, there's legal recourse for him saying things that are defamatory or that are slander, and right. if that's which is what he went through, and he's going to have to pay the penalty. So it's not like he was uh, you know, some free bird that he could just say whatever he wants with no, with no consequence. That didn't happen. You know, you know what's funny about all this? <clears throat> if I was on the, if Alex Jones was one of my enemies, right? Like I'm, you know, one of these platforms or, you know, even a celebrity or whomever mm-hmm. who has a personal problem with Alex Jones. The best thing you can do with Alex Jones, and this is a bit of a side note here. The best thing you can do is let the guy talk because I'll be honest with you. That guy sounds nuts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he sounds nuts. And if you gave him free reign, I, I, I honestly think that a large portion of his popularity is owed to the fact that so many people are trying to suppress him. So, of course, he's going to spin that. He's going to say, oh, look, see, they're coming after me. I told you they're coming after me. They're coming after me, right? Mm. You know, <laughs> that's you that's also, a large part of it. You have to also remember he, he, the way the strategy of his dissemination of information is I'm just going to throw a bunch of shit at the wall mm-hmm. and see what sticks. So there are some things that he, he did. There are very few, but he did have some things that over time were proven. No, appa- to- yeah. Apparently he's, he's been, he's been right about a few things. Allegedly. I don't know. I, I really don't. Being yeah. right means that he, he, he brought up something that he was skeptical of. And it seems like uh, over time that it was it, it more or less came to fruition. I'm not saying like verbatim, but. Look, there's, there's- I, I, I saw an interview with him on BBC, all right, and he, I mean, the guy made, he made such a fool out of himself. I'm, I'm sorry, like, I'm not trying to be uh, whatever, but he made such a fool out of himself, okay? He really did. He was, I don't know if you know what I'm referring to. He was on this um, show, mm-hmm. and the host had, um, and he had another guest on as well. The Here's guest Morgan. was kind of, sorry? Piers Morgan? Piers no, Morgan. it wasn't Piers Morgan. It was um, it was it was the other guy, older guy. He sparred with Ben Shapiro. That that clip went viral as well. Apparently, he's a, he's a conservative in Britain. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll pull my Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones, BBC. You said. Yeah, BBC interview. If you can just get me the guy's name, uh, Andrew Neil. And mm, let me see the picture. Yep, that's him. So he's on there, and the other guest on the show, he's kind of taking him to task. Like he's saying, okay, well, if what you say is true, then, you know, X, Y, Z, he's challenging him. Mm. Alex Jones, he just kept yelling belligerently, and, um, you know, he, the host, he, he basically called the interview to a stop. And Alex Jones was still screaming in the background, Infowars.com, Infowars.com, I'm trying to warn people. Right. And the host actually points to the camera. He's looking at the camera, and he's doing the, you know, the crazy 
a motion with his finger on the head, you mm-hmm. know, like the, the, the circle over yeah. the head. So if, if you really wanted Alex Jones, and again, this is a side note, but if you really wanted him to be discredited, I would just stand back and let him do it. <laughs> because he, he does a great job of that all by himself, in my opinion. He does. And I, to go back to what you originally brought up, Andrew Tate, uh, and cancel culture, mm-hmm. the methodology is very similar right? in terms of the type of polarity that they're trying, the reaction that they're trying to generate amongst the listeners of their content is very similar. But the, the, I agree. the depth, not the depth, but the overall variance in what Alex Jones would say and the, the, the lengths that he would go to draw conclusions, it was wide, it was much wider than like a guy like Andrew Tate would say, where I think his was much more narrow, but he specifically hit a certain part of pop culture, let's say, very hard. Whereas Alex Jones, like you said, he's all, he's all over the map. There's not one, there's not one subject that's off limits. He's got... He's he's all over the place, and I you know I, listen. I'm well, not. Some people might disagree with you there, but yeah. In we'll what sense? <laughs> um, he has been accused. Andrew Tate or, or Alex Jones? Alex Jones. Alex Jones. He's been accused of um, playing favorites. You know, so okay. So for example, he's he's a big proponent that just about everyone worth controlling is being controlled. But yet he, he throws all of his support behind certain political candidates and, you know, you know they're beyond reproach. So he, he's not exactly um, like anything goes kind of guy. Like he definitely has his own bias, his own, um, his own political leaning. He's very vocal about that. He's, they call him far right, but... Um, I don't know. L- listen, the long and the short of it is, do I think someone like that should be able to, you know, get their message out there? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, they should. They should absolutely be able to get their message out there. Now, if their message is vile and obscene, and, you know, I'm not, I don't know enough about Alex Jones, so I'm not going to really get into that. But if, if, they, if their message is vile and obscene, you as a listener have Shut the option off. not to listen. Yeah. Shut them off. Shut them off. Yeah. Shut them off. I'm a big horror movie fan. You know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are some horror movies I refuse to watch. Right. Because it's just obscenity for the sake of obscenity. You know, like a Serbian film. Mm-hmm. I never watched it. But they told me what, what, what was, I'm like, that, that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. I, I have no interest in this. You know, and, and that's. You have to be judicious in what you listen to, in what you take in, and you know what sort of influences you allow into your life. Mm-hmm. So, as far as Alex Jones goes, I mean, it becomes a bit of a bigger discussion because these mediums will argue, "Hey, you know, we're we're private companies. Even are, are they private though? Aren't they publicly traded or whatever?" But they have a board of directors, right? Someone, you know, a group of people that make decisions. Yeah. So, so I think what they would argue is we're publicly traded. So they're technically not private companies mm-hmm. by ownership, but they are fostering a private, like there's no, 
there's no cross between all these applications. Like there's not one general information highway. There's like information highway of Twitter. There's information highway of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, so on and so forth. So they are no. Technically, you're right. I mean, they are publicly traded companies, and that that mm-hmm. that's why there's merit in in some of the senate when some of the senators and congressmen and women in the United States when they have dialogue with yeah. I don't know if you have ever seen testimony from any of these CEOs when they go. They, <laughs> no, I haven't. They when they're on the when they're being asked questions, they're like deer in the headlights because they 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 real. I think they realize that they're benefiting from a very unique situation. There wasn't social media companies for. Long periods of time. No, it's a relatively new thing, yeah. Right. So I think that they realize that they've they've carved out a niche and they don't wanna they don't wanna necessarily um, give that up. And they're willing to do they're willing to go to whatever length. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to keep tight lipped because I don't I re- I don't want to bring up too many topics that are sensitive in nature, uh, legally or otherwise. But there's mm-hmm. I think people can infer if if you're generally on social media, you you know that there's been events in the past two or three years, um, culturally, politically, economically, or otherwise, where there is a mutually aligned interest amongst these social media companies and certain mm-hmm. institutions, certain governments, and uh, it's a way of. Uh, it's kind of like crony corporatism crony capitalism a little bit of government interference and i think now we're we're starting to see that more frequently than we thought was permissible and i think that's why individuals are generally speaking i tend to project a lot so i will i'll say my particular viewpoint and i think that i for some reason i think that a lot of people share my perspective but maybe that's not the case but i would say that individuals more and more are seeing that if you let this go basically without any consequence or any repercussions that you brought it up before and you said to you know to what end when when does this particularly end and it doesn't it doesn't yeah, that's why I, I, I don't see it ending at least not well no and fun, fundamentally you you need to have free speech really any right there's a this goes back to what i mentioned earlier these things didn't just pop into existence. It wasn't just the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment. There's a reason fundamentally why they exist. Without them, there's consequences. And this is what we're seeing. And if we take a, a lot of this indirectly centers around, if we look at the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms or the U.S. Constitution, it's basically on the right to free speech, to have free speech. So, uh, or the right to have the opportunity to, at least insofar as some or a lot of examples of cancel culture are concerned, it's the right to want to continue to, you know, have, have your occupation to continue to work without having the repercussion of you making. At the end of the day, nobody is free from mistakes. There's not one individual, one way or the other, that is has not made a mistake in their life. No. Imagine every single moment was captured on camera. There was witnesses for all the mistakes that every single, everybody <laughs> listening to this mm-hmm. or... Everybody who in life was endeavored to do anything. Nobody's perfect. So the likelihood that you you approach someone, I'm sure, you know, I'm a little bit off track here, but I'm guaranteed there has to be, I know you'll know this for sure, there has to be verses in the Bible that say something to that effect. Like, don't 
pretend what, redemption? like redemption? No. Don't pretend like you're not a sinner. Like don't pretend oh, that yeah. you haven't made mistakes, oh, yeah. that you haven't faltered, that mm-hmm. you're gonna be this pure it's the it goes back to the virtually virtue virtues excuse me. Virtue signaling spiral where where does it end? Mm-hmm. What when does it end and how does it end? And and there's Bible, another great document that ref, that that is a guidebook because human behavior hasn't really changed all that much insofar as what I can tell. I don't know if you have any uh, comments on that. That was a... I apologize. I go off on a lot of tangents. <laughs> no, no, please. This is definitely the right place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's... it's, it's it, you're naive to think, and Jordan Peterson will say this a lot, especially for men, but you're naive to think that people are without flaws and you're naive to think that you want to aim to be that type of person. Well, here's the thing with that. There are flaws and then there is certain, there are certain behaviors that are reprehensible. Yes. And you know, they do garner negative attention. However, there does appear to be a bit of a um, double standard here. Okay. So I actually wanted to get into this a bit. Justin Trudeau. Oh, God. <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Um, he's, uh. he's been a hot topic now for a while. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to get too political with this, but I do want to read to you some, something here. Okay. So just give me a second. Greatest here. orator of our time. <laughs> <laughs> and political leader. All hail Justin Trudeau. You know what, but as you're pulling that up, I'd also just like to mention that we can have a disclaimer to say we don't want to get too political or too too much of any certain type of dialogue. But at the end of the day, sometimes things become so pervasive. That doesn't mean we should let it affect us, but that doesn't mean it also doesn't mean we can't go without disclosing. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right, so this is from the National Post here. Okay, so... I just want to get straight to the quote here. He said, and I quote, with respect to anti-vaxxers, okay, should we tolerate them? <laughs> sounds pretty sounds pretty ominous to me, but that's that's what he said. Should we tolerate them? Now you gotta remember this this is the country. Sorry, this is the leader of a country. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said about a contingent of his population. Should Mm. we tolerate them? Now, I'm trying to look for the full quote here just to give you some context, but um, just bear with me here. I know that he equated them to misogynists and racists. I'm not really sure how you draw a parallel between anti-vax and racism and misogyny, but yeah, that's what he said. So, um, I think it's easy to easy to statesmen and politicians used to rely on <laughs> common sense and general practice of good policy. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to when you look at different types of political um, or economic. Really, it, sometimes it's not even good to make a differentiation. But generally speaking. These sorts of individuals 
more recently, like in the past 20, 25 years, have relied a lot more on emotional sorts of dialogue and emotional sorts of communication, more so than um, making appeals to logic or making appeal. And fundamentally, I mean, if we take, uh, you know, like sales as an example, I know this is a totally different topic, but you generally you get people to have an understanding of something logically, but you don't want to appeal to their logic. You'd want to appeal to their emotion because the emotion is, is going to create the, the action necessary to, depending on whatever the situation is. Um, you know, if you look at any sort of marketing, advertising, sales in general, it's all targeted at your emotion. So obviously there's a good biological underpinning as to why a guy like Trudeau would want to make more of an emotional stance and conflate the words, uh, what would you say it was misogyny? And, yeah, he uh, equated anti-vaxxers with, um, you know, they always said oh, oftentimes they're racist and misogynist. Right. Misogynistic. Those are throwaway terms. He doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about. He, <laughs> the, to, to, to take a stance, okay, I think we, if, if you'd like, I don't know if this is where you wanted to go with this, but the term anti to be anti anything or in this case particularly anti vax there's there's a lot that's implied even in that term itself so without getting into too much depth because an individual may not want to ingest whether that's a, a vaccination a medication a food a liquid that does not make them anti whatever the opposite of that particular term is. So if, if I don't want to drink, you know, apple juice, I'm not anti-apple juice. I'm just not w- real willing to want to ingest that particular substance or food or, or liquid at that point in time. So I think anti-vax is a way of, of stating I have somebody who is antithetical or is antagonistic to what I'm trying to do, Trudeau, uh, what he's trying to accomplish, and it's easier for some of his constituency to equate a level of understanding to what he's trying to get at by using the term racist and misogynist. These are loaded terms, obviously, because there are people who are misogynistic, and and to be honest with you, there are also individuals who are, I don't know what the term in, to use the same tense as misogynistic, but there's individuals that have misandry as well, which is prejudice towards men. Right. But it's a charged point. There's obviously that is prevalent, and there are people who are racist. That's not something you're going to get away from. But at well, the end of the day, he tries to tie them all together and wrap it up in a bowl to say, yeah, look at all these individuals. I don't know you okay. the... So, the yeah, I point. have it right here. So he, here's here's the, the uh, quote in its entirety. Okay. Again, he's he's referring to people that you know, didn't want the vaccine that were protesting him, protesting his rallies and so forth. He said they don't believe in science progress and are very often misogynistic and racist. It's a very small group of people, but that doesn't shy away from the fact that they take up some space. Okay. Which makes no sense. Yeah, it continues. This leads us as a leader and as a country to make a choice. Do we tolerate these people? Over 80% of the population of Quebec have done their duty by getting the shot. They are obviously not the issue in this situation. So without getting into, without getting into, you know, where people stand on the vaccine or, you know, COVID or any of that stuff, okay, like, I'm not even talking about that. 
I'm, I'm referring specifically to when he said, do we tolerate them? Okay. What's the alternative? What's the, the alternative? The alternative to, to well, tolerate them. He's asking, people? do we tolerate them? How long do we tolerate them? What, what is your alternative? You, do you have another option? No, there isn't. Okay. There is no alternative. The alternative <laughs> is to tolerate them. <laughs> I'm sorry. The thing is we do tolerate them. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is, there's no alternative to that because then you segregation. When the leader of a country, you know, takes the podium and says, well, you know, I have to decide as a leader and we have to decide as a country, do we tolerate them? That sounds a little bit ominous coming mm. from a leader. And obviously there were a lot of people that had a problem. They took issue with what he said, but there were, there were no significant ramifications. I mean, the people that have been protesting him were protesting him before he said this. You can't. I, I just wonder, you know, if other world leaders had used language like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden. <laughs> no. Well, um, you know, I don't know. It's just like, a, okay, so look at Trudeau. We're going to talk about Trudeau again. How many times has he done blackface? How many times has he painted his face black? Uh, as far as I understand, I think three times. Three times? Three times. I know there was a, there was a time, um, I, I just know anecdotally from seeing it on Twitter, there was a time when he had, uh. He was dressed up in some sort of Aladdin-looking costume. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Halloween party. And then there was another time where he had, uh, it looked like it had some sort of, I don't even know what it was for. He was a drama teacher, so it could have been for, he had a ripped Just for the record, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not even getting into whether or not this should be permitted, whether or not it's a cancelable, a cancelable effect. Why I'm bringing this up is because if certain people had done this, Okay, Alex Jones. <laughs> if there was a video or a picture of Alex Jones doing blackface, right? Don't you think that would be used as prejudice? I mean, not that they don't have enough on him already, but you know, don't you think that that would be brought up, or Donald Trump, or Ben Shapiro, or Jordan Peterson, or you know, any of these guys that are kind of labeled as fringe? Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan. Yes. Okay, so they would definitely use this to their prejudice. Um, I mean, I guess it was used against Trudeau to some extent, but, no, but not in a major way. No, no, it wasn't. It got squat. Okay, so for those who don't know, all media organizations that are generally considered mainstream are publicly funded, meaning they are funded via government revenue. And for those who don't know in Canada... And for those who don't know, government revenue is collected via taxation of citizens. So our tax dollars are basically paying for these services that are being rendered, in this case, news media. And it's basically at the whim and at, I don't want to say control for the sake of maybe giving them the benefit of the doubt or whoever's in office the benefit of the doubt. But they are definitely strongly influenced by the source of that revenue. Now, has that ever been proven conclusively? Yes. Like for, oh, so it has. So no, no, yeah, they're all publicly funded. No, that we know. But has a, has a third party um, firm ever over you know ever stepped in and kind of audited? Um, like, is there like a like a like a statement or an email from the 
from the cabinet stating you must do this to the news organizations? Yeah, like something that that demonstrates they're being coerced or anything like. Because I've I've heard that so many times, but you know, there's so many. So many people say so many things. That's the problem with the information age. You you don't know what's real and what's no. I, I, from what I from uh, to to not be accusatory. No, uh, as far as I know, that that's not the case. But however, that does not mean that there isn't heavy influence. If you if you use the old term, follow the money. <laughs> I think that could generally, I think that could generally lead you yeah. to. Yeah. Some sort of you know understanding. You, you just use common sense, deductive reasoning, and you get to the point where okay, the, the revenue is coming from this particular source. We must, and the way you can the way you can kind of steel man this argument uh, for if you really want to have it be foolproof is look at the media, look at the information that they are disseminating these news sources. So you take CTV, you take uh, CBC is the most common one. How are they presenting that information? Is it impartial? Are they presenting both sides, both sides of the political aisle? Well, that's are, just it. Like, you know, when when I was growing up, news networks were extremely impartial. Yeah. What? Uh, I, I can't remember anything today. What was the name of that legendary uh, broadcaster? I'll tell you because he did a he did a podcast with Jordan Peterson. No, I believe he's deceased. I can't remember his name. Oh. But there is another gentleman who also did a podcast with Jordan Peterson. Mm. He was from, I want to say he was from CBC, another great broadcaster. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to pull it up on your phone. No, um, looking for... But this individual who was on Jordan Peterson's podcast, um, let me just pull it up as well. Jordan Peterson, CBC. Walter Cronkite. So, okay. I think he was in the States, though. Yeah. But what was said about Walter Cronkite is you never really knew where he stood on any issue. He always had a poker face on. Mm -hmm. And he definitely didn't state where he stood on any issue, right? The news was always delivered in a very, very impartial manner. You don't get that anymore. If you watch CNN and then you flip to Fox, you would think they're talking about two very different countries. Yeah. That's how far apart they are. You know, yep, it, it's incredible. Yeah, so it's 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 narrative driven news instead of very data not well not necessarily data driven but fact driven news. Your job is a, you know, I, I, we don't really I, we don't talk about this much just generally speaking. But if you really think about it, mm-hmm. information dissemination in the traditional lens was through news outlets and media media companies. Right. And they really are the arbiter of not okay, I don't know if you want to say truth, but they are the arbiter of of trying to find out the truth. Yeah. That's their goal. If yeah. you really kind of stray away from that one way or the other, mm-hmm. you're now you're not aiming for the truth, you're aiming for narrative. Right. And you're aiming for narrative, whose narrative is it? That's Good the question. Problem. Good question because like, like I said, that's why I brought up the the Justin Trudeau thing. I I just <laughs> I don't want to get too uh, tinfoil hat here, but if he was, if he was anyone else, you know, if he was Maxine Bernier, or mm. if he was, um, you know, Pierre Polivier, I, I just wonder what they would have done with with those photos and <clears throat> with those quotes. Like, can you imagine Pierre Polivier, who's he's basically. 
looking to challenge Trudeau. He's he's he seems to be the front runner for the Conservatives in Canada. And can you imagine he had made a statement um, about the opposition or the you know the 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 people who voted liberal? And he said something to the effect of, "I wonder how long I should tolerate them as prime minister." He'd be seen as a dictator. He'd be seen as a dictator. Yep. So why why the double standard? That that's what I don't understand. So cancel culture, you know, along with all its other problems, isn't even. It's not even done fairly. Mm-hmm. Some people they can't wait to cancel. Others not so much. Well, doesn't that again not to get conspiratorial? <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't that show you that there's more than meets the eye than. It, it certainly appears so, right? Like well, there's, there's got to be first something. Glance. You use deductive reasoning. How could it be the case that this is not uniformly and unilaterally applied to everybody? Because if it was, then we would say that, not that it makes it right, but that at least that it's somewhat fair in its approach and its application. And given the fact that that isn't the case, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I think we're... I think we should probably see this for another podcast before we get too deep because <laughs> I don't want to get too long-winded here. Yeah, we're, we we do have a lot of content coming up, so don't don't worry. We don't have to we don't have to touch on everything today. No. All right. So one last thing I, I did want to discuss mm. because how can we not discuss Will Smith, the slap heard around the world? So. Everyone knows what happened there. You definitely know. We've discussed this, you know, so many times. Mm. Um, just for the record, I think Will Smith was definitely in the wrong. You know, you slapped a comedian for making a joke. I personally, I thought it was a very, very benign joke. That wasn't even a great joke. It wasn't, sorry? It wasn't a great, like, it was nothing to it. It was whatever. <clears throat> yeah, it was, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad joke. Like, I mean. No, it wasn't on. malicious by any means either. So... He said, oh, you know, are they people who defended what he did? They said, uh, you know, his wife suffers from alopecia or, you know, whatever. But Alopecia, listen, I don't know the medical, you know, mm. implications, but it's not cancer. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not it, it, something it, like if we're going to be severity, severity context yeah, is, a, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to belittle people who have certain conditions, but if you look at it in terms of severity, there's people that have, a lot of illnesses. There are people that have a lot of medical conditions that are very severe in nature. That somehow, some way, they go on to live their life, and they're very right. gracious, and they're they're very. They have a lot of gratitude that they're they're applying. And I don't, I don't mean to be to make too charge of a statement, but I just don't think that doesn't make it any easier for the person. But there's a lot of worse things in life that can come. There's different types of suffering, you know. Well, different okay, so we we know what happened. We you know Chris Rock made his joke, what you, G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Will Smith got up and he smacked Chris Rock and then he, you know, he started shouting curse words at him from his seat and <clears throat> it, was a, it was one hell of a spectacle. But now, that was a long time ago. Mm. Why am I bringing this up now? Because Will Smith has recently apologized formally to Chris Rock. He's looking to open up a discussion, you know, with, with him and, you know, formally face-to-face, I guess, apologized for what he had done. So now, Will Smith, as far as I know, has always had a really good reputation in the industry. You know, a lot of people always thought, at least that I've always heard people say he's a nice guy. Mm -hmm. 
well, I grew up on Fresh Prince of Bel Air, so you know, I I always liked Will Smith. And um, here here's what I want to know: Is redemption possible in the cancel culture age? So he's apologized, right? Can I quickly interject? No, you, hold on one second. Sorry. Will he be allowed to redeem himself? That that's what I want to know. Go ahead. Redemption from what perspective? Do you mean redemption, like as as he him being the canceller, or a redemption from the fact that well, he, he's essentially people been tried canceled. to cancel him. Yeah, he's essentially been canceled. He's lost a lot of work. You know, he's lost he's lost a lot of um, um, favor in the industry. A lot of people are maligning him. You know what he did, and, and look, I, I agree, what he did was wrong. But can he come back from this? Like, does cancel culture allow that? Can you can you come back from something like that in in today's day and age, where they want where they're dying to cancel you? It seems. No, you don't think he can come back from that? No, really? Wow. No, and to, if the cancel culture stays the way it currently as it currently exists, mm-hmm. no. I'm not saying that he can't have a reprieve, and. I just we haven't seen it. If you take it from the time that you disclosed, twenty seventeen, twenty sixteen onwards, mm-hmm. mostly individuals, yeah, they've made comebacks, but it's not what like redemption, meaning what reform, re- returning to their former luster. I, I don't think that that's possible. I think can they re- be redeemed in general? Absolutely. I think there is an individual that everybody knows who knows a lot about redemption. I, I listen, and I personally, I believe in redemption because you know what? If if that door closes, if you can no longer be redeemed, if you can't, what would if, Christ say? That's a good. That's a good. Well, let's you know, just just to keep it non-religious. Okay, yeah, to keep it a little then, bit. But even then, on then the don't, then don't make it. Don't make it religious. Then right. I, okay. Then but let's not make it like. Let's make make it based off of values. Does somebody deserve mm. to be? Re- can somebody make a mistake? And from that mistake, can they learn to be, become, maybe use prison as an example. Maybe not for a, a heinous offense. Maybe something like medical, uh, maybe like, no, so I was going to say medical marijuana. Take marijuana as an example. Mm-hmm. Really, and in the terms of offenses, it's not something that's particularly, it's self-harming, right? Let's, let's say, does that individual. Allegedly. Be, allegedly. <laughs> does that individual not deserve to be reintroduced to society? Can they not learn from their mistakes? Maybe they had possession i don't know maybe they were dealing with it who knows you know the origin of the word penitentiary don't you no i actually don't penance penance okay yeah right so yeah that that's we've we've always believed in redemption as 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 a society you know that you can improve you can learn Mm -hmm. you know you can grow Mm -hmm. how do you ever grow if you're not permitted to make mistakes it's one and done see you later and I think, you know, there's validity to what you said. You said, no, he can't be redeemed. I, I hope he can, but Roseanne Barr, there was no coming back for her. You know, maybe there are celebrities that, I, you know, I don't. I think redeemed needs to be qualified a little bit. Redeemed meaning, if, if particular in this case, does that mean while this umbrella of cancel culture is something that we're, we're kind of in or under right now, no, I, I don't see a way back. Then that's not because that individual doesn't have remorse or they don't show improvement or they don't have any talent in their particular occupation. It's it's has everything to do with the fact that the individuals who keep that pressure on him or institutions, it's the image that they're trying to maintain and it's the 
general notion that w- this is how we garner power. This is how we garner strength. This is how we gain some sort of traction in society and culture. And they're not going to relinquish that because as soon as they relinquish one, you relinquish them all because you have you set precedent at some point, in my opinion. And then if you once you set that precedent, then you, you, not that you can't go back, but I, I, there's. Then it's just there's no there there's never is has been credibility with this cancel culture, but really then they look like complete assholes. So you look like as another move. There's political movements, um, not again to get into depth, but there's political movements recently that have gone on in the states where the founders of those political movements themselves have been shown to do pretty heinous acts. You know, like a lot of fraud, manipulation, um, <clears throat> without you know getting into too much detail here. In any case, it just shows you that just because these the same perpetrators of the canceling does not mean they're free from, you know, making mistakes themselves as well. Okay. <clears throat> Have you ever apologized to somebody in your life, in your personal life? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Have you ever had somebody accept your apology, but they kind of they kind of wanted to make you pay for it? Like in a vengeful way? Yeah, like they yeah. were being petty and vindictive. Yeah. Now what was your reaction to that? To them being Petty of an, an yeah, like, the, you know, what I'm getting at here is because it's happened to me and it kind of makes me hmm, like almost regret the fact that I tried to be the bigger person. I tried to apologize to them because, the, you know, that's not how apologies work. You, if you, you, you either accept my apology or you don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't accept my apology and then continue to berate me for what I, what I'm apologizing for. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of manipulation. Yeah, it's it's pretty manipulative. So what if we cr- end up creating a society of very, very unapologetic people that don't repent? Because it's like, well, you know what? I'm basically garbage now because I made this error or whatever. I, you know, I did something not in my right mind. I, I made a very bad decision. I can't come back from it, so I may as well embrace it. I'm not saying that's what happened with me, but, you know, don't you think that that's a danger? Yeah, absolutely, depending on the severity of the circumstance as well. If yeah. those things are more severe, then that you're creating a lot of harsh consequences and a lot of harsh environments, mentally, emotionally, collectively. Like, it's 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 very unstable. Well, if Will Smith's image, after all these years, can be ruined by one incident, even though he tries to make restitution for this incident and he, you know, he tries to make amends. If people just aren't having it, then isn't it reasonable that he would turn around and say, you know what? I don't give a shit. Mm. And, um, kind of become, he embraces basically being shunned. He he embraces being belligerent. That's kind of like, that's kind of like Donald Trump in a way, right? Donald Trump has basically embraced, you know, the fact that he is seen as the antagonist to to some of these people, right? He's embraced it. He runs with it. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of divisive, right? Like you don't want to, you want to try and, you know. Galvanize. Well, you want to try and mend relationships wherever possible you want to try and unite people that's my opinion right especially if you're in a leadership role you want to try and bring people together and um if you if you live in a society where one you know you make a mistake even several mistakes but you you know you just can't come back from them i how, how does that bode well for anyone you know 
why what is my incentive to it grow? doesn't and then it makes everything very nihilistic yeah very nihilistic exactly so you know personally i think society better really 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 be careful with with this whole idea of canceling people and closing the door on redemption and you know but at the same time there are truly awful people out there that need to pay a penance for what they've done you know um <clears throat> that old harvey weinstein debacle right if all these you know if, if, if it's proven in a court of law that he did these things th- that's not as simple as hey i'm sorry and <laughs> you get to go back to your awesome life mm-hmm. no no it doesn't work like that but you know should a person be allowed to redeem themselves over time, you know, with effort. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe in redemption. You know, if, if it's sincere, if you sincerely look for redemption, I believe it should be made available. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think re- as you're basically inferring, if you... There's a reason why certain value systems exist. There's a reason why people generally have this embedded to them, whether that's through apprenticeship, you know, informal learning from your family, that can be from institutions, it could be from religions, it could be from cultural values, traditions that people keep. There's a reason why they exist. They didn't just come to a fruition from nowhere. People right. are very adaptive in mm. nature, obviously. So if that is the case, then redemption does not, it's not, it's not like it's self-serving. There's a purpose individually and collectively for that particular type of action for people to take on. And given the fact that, again, nobody is perfect, nobody's going to be free from mistakes that are either in public or in private. Nobody's ever going to be free from growth. And in fact, I think you all, you need to voluntarily embrace Hopefully not slapping somebody out on a stage, but you you want to embrace these. <laughs> you want to embrace making. You want to be okay with making mistakes and say, "Listen, I've made a mistake, screwed up, and how can I learn from this? How can I make it better? Yeah, you know, how, how can I take something negative and, and basically turn it into a positive? Or yeah, or is it even? Well, obviously, we'll get into this again in another podcast, but. Is it even, uh, depending on the type of situation, is it even that negative to begin with, which goes to mindset? But in this particular, all these instances that we've been chatting about, yeah, obviously they're, they're, not, they're not good situa- situations. And you do want to say, how can we mend this? How can we, you don't want to burn the bridge. How can we rebuild the bridge? Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think we've pretty much hit hit everything mm-hmm. yeah it's um, been two, two hours of reviewing cancel culture <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah unless there's anything else you wanted to add to it no i think um i think we covered off a lot of this was a good starting episode because it really indirectly we chatted a lot about a lot of things that i think we'll eventually talk about and it's pretty much in line with what uh well, it's it's part for the course in terms of all our cultural times. I think we would do good as people having this podcast or list people who may listen to this podcast to try to have dialogue that is gen- trying to be free from 
any sort of bias that you may bring into the, the conversation. And that's the, only, that's the only way you can really kind of, mm-hmm. I know you brought up a handful of times, what can you really do about it? Not much. You could just have good discourse. Good ideas trump bad ideas over time. Yeah. And that's all you can really. Great that's all we can, discuss ideas. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> I, I, you know, there's not much else we can do. Um, for Just for on a technical note before I let you wrap up, um, the podcast will be posted on Spotify. They will also be posted on Apple Music, and I think maybe at some point we'll post it, maybe clips to YouTube and other media platforms. Yeah, definitely. And we'll be discussing uh, quite a variety of topics. I mean, everything from films to books to conspiracy theories, political landscapes, um, economics, and we will um, do our best to um, discuss them as thoroughly and comprehensively as possible. And honestly. And honestly, definitely, yep. <laughs> free from as much bias as possible. Yep, free from as much bias as possible. Yeah, because that drives me nuts, man. Everything's yeah. like so, so biased now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're just two uh, everyday guys, you know, giving a critical thinker's um, perspective on a myriad of topics. Mm-hmm. So I hope you enjoyed it. And um, Also, just last thing, I know I'll let you wrap up on, future episodes but i just want to also state that i we are not social media people by any stretch of the imagination understatement and, and i don't think that um we had the I, I think the philosophy behind having this sort of conversations is to give a real dialogue a real approach a genuine approach authentic there's no bullshit we're not trying to pull any punches other than the fact that we don't want to go over too much information in one particular episode but we're basically trying to give you as best an understanding as possible of certain topics and if you have found this conversation to be useful or insightful and there's something that um you know you think that could be useful to other individuals as well we'd ask that you'd share this uh with anybody else i don't if you want to close off with any of the remarks. And we're out.